So on the last day of the annual conference, we had uh, worship and in the morning, and this poem was read there, and we thought it would be um, appropriate to read it to here. Where the Light Begins by Jan Richardson. Perhaps it does not begin. Perhaps it is always. Perhaps it takes a lifetime to open our eyes to learn to see what has forever shimmered in front of us, the luminous line of the map in the dark, the vigil flame in the house of the heart, the love so searing we cannot keep from singing, from crying out in testimony and praise. Perhaps this day will be the mountain over which the dawn breaks. Perhaps we will turn our face toward it, toward what has been always. Perhaps our eyes will finally open in ancient recognition, willingly dazzled, illuminated at last. Perhaps this day the light begins in us. I was uh... First off, thanks for letting me have a Sunday off last week. I woke up like four or five weeks ago and I was like, man, I really feel like going to church today. You ever feel like that? Oh. <laughs> Henry Taffy, you're gonna have to say the confession again. <laughs> and I, I don't I really rarely, rarely, rarely feel like that. And and when I when I caught myself thinking that, I was like, I need a break. And so we had annual conference, and after annual conference, I was like, really need a break. And so uh, thanks for letting me have last Sunday off because I left here Monday afternoon and went to church camp all week long, which definitely required me having some downtime um, in between. But I want to say uh, the kids are all right. And because of that, uh, I have complete faith that we're going to be okay. And uh, I, I saw some things that, so I, I don't know if you know this about me, but I did youth ministry for 10 years before I became a real pastor. And um, I'd forgotten a couple of things. One is how much I love youth ministry. But the other thing is how, how much energy teenagers have. <laughs> Holy cow. Do you think these little kids have a lot of energy? No, they go to bed. Uh, teenagers trying to make them do that and so but there were kids up there that um, man you hear their stories and their lives were at home were just kind of a wreck but there was something solid in them their faith was like really rich and and then on yesterday, yesterday Friday morning uh, we were having like a closing little worship service and one of the things that's been bothering me about the church, like Big C Church, Worldwide Church, is that there aren't enough pastors. We have a lot of pastors retiring. All of you baby boomers think you need to retire or something. And so you retire, but there aren't enough people going in to like pay full-time ministry, and it's causing a shortage of leadership in the church. And we had this thing happen Friday morning where the lady who was kind of overseeing the spiritual side of camp stood up and she was giving a talk and 
And then another guy stood up and he was like, hey, uh, is there anybody here who is feeling called to ministry? And 16 kids went down. We're going to be led. And we're going to be led by our younger generations. I, um, a few, I don't know, maybe like a month or two ago, Stuart and I and the staff had had lunch together and I was riding with Stuart and we were coming back here and I said to him, I was like, hey, I don't even know why I asked this question. And I said, tell me like, what's the church that you dream of? And I have no idea what he said because I got distracted with like, that was a good question. <laughs> and so since then, I've been thinking, the thing about how I need to work on humility. <laughs> church camp and those dreams changed but I want to read something to you it's found in Acts chapter 2 if I can get there and you can get there you'll have time I'm not that fast in my bible actually I got there quick um, read along if you want I think the words might be on the screen this is from Acts chapter 2 uh, it's the story of the day of Pentecost which was actually two weeks ago this is what I should have preached from two weeks ago but I chose the Lord's prayer instead when Pentecost Day arrived, they were all together in one place, they being the Jesus people, right? Like the 12 or so. Suddenly a sound from heaven, like the howling of a fierce wind, filled the entire house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be individual flames of fire alighting on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. There were pious Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. When they heard this sound, a crowd gathered. They were mystified because everyone heard them speaking in their native languages. They were surprised and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all the people who are speaking Galileans, every one of them? How then can each of us hear them speaking in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, as well as residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the regions of Libya bordering Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the mighty works of God in our own languages. They were all surprised and bewildered. Some asked each other, what does this mean? Others jeered at them saying, Peter stood with the other 11 apostles. He raised his voice and declared, Judeans and everyone living in Jerusalem, know this. Listen carefully to my words. These people aren't drunk, as you suspect. After all, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Rather, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And then he quotes Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young will see visions and your elders will dream dreams. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. May God give us wisdom and courage for interpretation. And may God give us wisdom and courage as we do our best to try and apply truth.
Your elders will dream dreams. That's why I asked Stuart about the church he dreams of. <laughs> Big one dares call me an elder, I'll take great events. I don't know what it's like to dream a dream. It's kind of one of those weird poetic themes that prophets do sometimes. They use language that kind of gets deeper than deep, you know? But those dreams for the church that I had written on my wall in there changed this last week as I listened to our sons and daughters prophesy. Prophecy isn't only about like saying what's going to happen in the future. That's foretelling prophecy, but there's also forthtelling prophecy, which most of the prophets in the Bible were forthtelling prophets, like speaking forth what is actually happening. And as I sat and listened in on small groups that were happening this last week, and as I had conversations with students, I heard them prophesy, and it changed the dreams that I dream. And so some of the things I wrote on my office wall in there are still there, and then some of them changed. So I scribbled them in this little book here, and I'm going to read to you some of them. Some of these dreams connect to one another, and some of them are just kind of standalone individual, but I dream of a church that doesn't just hear the words of Jesus, and doesn't just know the words of Jesus, but that actually does the words of Jesus. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 12, that you, meaning us, like the people after Jesus, the disciples of Jesus, will do even greater things than he did. Think about that for a minute. That we will do even greater things than Jesus did. And it's true. Jesus' ministry was in one small part of the world. Our ministry is all over the planet. And when it comes to healing, I, I've never seen someone grow a limb back. And I've never seen someone kind of miraculously healed before my eyes. I hear it happens, and, and I, I choose to believe in that miracle. But what I have seen, I've literally seen people healed spiritually in this room and in this building. I have seen things that I never dreamed that I would see. I've heard things that I never dreamed I would hear. It's real. And I dream of a church that believes it wholeheartedly enough that we do it. That we don't just have this knowledge in our heads so we can win geeks who drink Bible trivia version at the game on Tuesday nights. Anybody want to go? We can win. <laughs> and I dream of a church that is not obsessed with its own self-interest. Sometimes we think that this is for us. But I have news, friends, it is not for us. What we're doing here and now is restoring our souls for those who aren't here right now. Eugene Peterson is an author, and he wrote a book called Christ Plays in 10,000 Places, which is an amazing title, by the way, that Christ plays 
in 10,000 places, but listen to the words of Eugene Peterson. A huge religious marketplace has been set up in North America to meet the needs and fantasies of people just like us. There are conferences and gatherings custom designed to give us what we need. Books and videos and seminars promise to let us in on the Christian secret that whatever we feel is lacking in our life, financial security, well-behaved children, weight loss, exotic sex, travel to holy sites, exciting worship, celebrity teachers, the people who promote these goods and services all smile a lot and are good looking. We've become, con we've become consumers of packaged spiritualities. This is idolatry. We never think of using this term for it since everything we're buying or paying for is defined by the adjective Christian. But idolatry it is, nevertheless. God packaged as a product, God depersonalized and made available as a technique or a program. The Christian market and idols has never been more brisk or lucrative. The reason that I believe Eugene Peterson is correct about this is because sometimes I become obsessed with my own need. And I'll pay the money to buy the books and go to the seminars to get my need fixed in this Christian way. But when it's all about me, it becomes idolatry, worship of self, and what I need. I dream of a church that is not obsessed with its own self-interest. I dream of a church where arrogant certitude gives way to authentic faith. Brian Zahn writes these words. He says, I was once so sure, so sure of myself, so, so sure that what I wanted was one and the same with what God wanted. How could it be otherwise, child of God that I am? I was once so sure I was taught to assert my will. But instead of brashness and bravado, the poet of hope says, in quietness and trust. So now when I'm not so sure, I try to be quiet and trust. Not myself, not my mind, my kind, but in the mercy of God, in God's severe salvation, the salvation that is sweet as honey and severe as the cross. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Surely, goodness and mercy. I dream of a church where arrogant certitude gives way to authentic faith. A faith where we don't have to be right. Where we don't have to be correct. Where we can, in quietness, trust. But what happens for us to be able to be that church and to be those people is we have to understand that 
we need to become masters of contemplation. Prayer, silence, confession, writing or documenting our thoughts in ways, pictures, discussion, and recognition. We have to be a church that understands that the cross is greater than consumerism, that mystery is greater than fundamentalism, that eclectic and kind of being weird is better than sectarianism, that community is definitely greater than individualism, and that revolution is so much bigger and better than politicism. I dream of a church to where we can come here and find respite from the culture wars because we truly want to make a difference, not for our particular political party, but for the kingdom of God. I dream of a church that rejects, as Jesus did, the politics of power for the politics of love. I dream of a church that if we're going to attempt something as grand as changing the world, that we would realize that at least we have to be part of the world that is changed by Jesus. Jesus always rejected power for love. I dream of a church that does that. I dream of a church that understands the difference between what is real and what is a cheap fake. Did you know that there are bags like purses and bags and stuff that cost thousands of dollars? And that apparently you can go to Juarez or someplace like that and buy ones that cost dollars that look like the ones that cost thousands of dollars. And that to the trained eye, I guess, you could see the difference. I have no idea what the difference is. I don't typically carry a purse. But sometimes I think what happens is we choose the Christian thing instead of the Christian thing. We choose the cheap, easy way instead of the real and intense and deep way. We choose to jump into the culture wars and argue about things that do not matter at all in the kingdom of God. And I say kingdom of God because, well, you know, two weeks ago I preached a sermon about the Lord's Prayer and I was talking about our Father and why Jesus uses the word Father and that it's because the household was managed by the Father and the people within the Father's household are treated in certain ways. So maybe instead of kingdom of God, I should use household. So we have these big household dreams and we get caught and trapped by the power of the world to talk and worry and argue about things that don't matter one little bit in the household of God. And I am dreaming of a church that is over that and done with that and doesn't go back to its own father. I dream of a church conservative. And if you're getting all excited, don't. If you're getting all frustrated, give it a minute. I dream of a church that's conservative because 
there are ancient wisdom traditions that are worth holding on to. I use Ireland in talk about politics. I could give a rat's behind about that. Ancient wisdom traditions that are worth holding on to, literally conserving. And I dream of a church that spends time reading these ancient writings and practices, these ancient practices, because I dream of a church that is progressive. If you're getting all excited, don't. And if you're getting frustrated, don't. I dream of a church that is progressive because the journey is not over yet. We still have room to grow and places to go to and ways to move. Literally, progress has to happen. There's, within that ancient wisdom tradition, examples of this. So there's this story of Peter. Peter was one of Jesus' closest friends. Jesus had been crucified, resurrected, and then ascended into heaven. And Peter was left to kind of be in charge. He, Jesus had said to Peter, on this rock, his name changed to Peter, which means rock, on this rock I will build my church. And against this church, not even hell can overcome it. And Peter was in charge, and he was sleeping on the rooftop of the house one day, and he has a dream where there's this sheet that's tied at the top, and it's coming down from heaven, and then it unties and opens up, and inside it is all kinds of amazing food. And, but it's not clean. And he hears the voice of God say, kill and eat, and Peter's like, no way, man. Not once in my life has something unclean touched my lips, and it won't start today, God. Good try, though. And God says, don't you ever call something that I have created unclean. Peter wakes up. He was holding on to the rules, right? He was holding on to the way things ought to be, the way things had, he had always been taught to believe and to act. He, he was doing the right thing. We do that. And, and then God says, don't do that. And he wakes up, and there's some people on the street calling to him. And they say, hey, you need to go to Cornelius' house. God sent us to get you to go to Cornelius' house. For some crazy reason, he believes them. And he goes to Cornelius' house, who is a Gentile a non-Jewish person like us. And he goes into Cornelius' house and they're having a party. And it's one of those great parties. It's got um, those big jumbo shrimp <laughs> that are sliced open and stuffed with jalapenos and cream cheese and wrapped with bacon. And it's got some steaks like dog cooks that are like uh, not cooked all the way through. There's just and it's rolled up, and there's some green chili and stuff in there, baking around it. And Peter digs in, man. He just, he's just like, man, this is good. I've missed out on this my whole life. And the Gentiles are like, what are you doing, Pete? And he goes, God said, don't ever call a person unclean. Progress happens twice in that story. Once, it's don't call what I've made unclean, eat. And then progress happens again because Peter takes that progress and moves forward with it more. Don't ever call a person unclean. I dream of a church that is conservative because there are ancient wisdom traditions that are worth holding on to, and a church that is progressive because the journey is not over. Did you know there was a time 
when we used to believe the Bible so literally that we thought slavery was okay. We, we have progress. We understand things. God continues to reveal truth to us. Friends, I don't know about you, but I'm playing the long game here. I dream of a church that introduces my grandchildren's grandchildren to Jesus, and not just introduces them to him, but shows them how to walk with him. It, and if I'm mathing right, my grandchildren's grandchildren are my great-great-grandchildren. Anybody ever meet your great-great-grandparents? You met your great-greats? Wow. I've never met my great-great-grandparents. Like my great-grandparents' great-grandparents. I know one of their names, but that's because it's a generational name. But you know what they did? They and their generation left a gift for me called the church that introduced me to Jesus and is still showing me how to walk with Jesus. I dream of a church that understands it's not about us. We're building this nest, and just like birds, birds don't build a nest for themselves. They build it for their offspring. And the thing is, what I witnessed this last week is that our offspring are actually building a nest for us. I think they hear God in ways that we don't even imagine. I think that they understand grace in ways that we couldn't dream of. And I dream of a church that no matter what technological changes happen, we could walk into it or walk to the place where that church is gathering and immediately recognize the sacrament of communion and baptism. When I was in third grade, I used to obsessively read every word of the weekly reader. If I ever, you remember the weekly reader or like newspaper magazine thing? Why is it only the older people raising their hands? <laughs> weekly reader was like this newspaper-esque thing that we would get when I was in third grade. And it would have news in it, but it would also have crazy stories, like one that I remember, I remember reading it because my third grade mind was blown. They had an article in there, imagine this, that it said that when the phone rings on your mom and dad's wall, there were phones on walls at one point, that when the phone rings on your mom and dad's wall, that you would be able to see who was calling you. Like their name and number would pop up. That technology had been invented. And then eventually they felt like they would have technology where you could see that person's face. Blew me away. Little did I know that I'm carrying more computing power in my pocket right here than the Apollo missions had. Who knows what's going to be going on on this planet when our grandchildren's grandchildren are walking around. But that ancient stuff, like take this bread and this juice 
and remember me will still be around. Because the world can offer us all kinds of things. We can go to Walmart and buy literally anything that we could ever need except confession, forgiveness, grace, hope, resurrection, love, peace, joy. That's what this does. That's the church I dream of. So friends, over the next few weeks, you're going to be hearing from other people and me about their dreams. You will not want to miss it. I'm just telling you now, you will not want to miss it. I'm hoping to have some of those prophets that are between the ages of like 11 and 18 prophesy to us. In two weeks, my friend Tim Palmer is going to be here, and he will blow our minds with his music and his preaching and his poetry. We're going to have some other church members talk about their dreams. You won't want to miss the next four or five weeks. If you're going on vacation, watch it. It's on YouTube. I was going to say YouTube. It's on Facebook. To stay connected. Because when we hear the dreams that other people are dreaming, it causes us to dream, and it snowballs, and we have hope. One last thing. I dream of a church that recognizes needs in the world and goes. This last Tuesday, I had to drive from Sacramento, New Mexico, back here because Eddie Rivera, my boss, the district superintendent, told me I had to. He said, at annual conference, I need you and Stuart and me and the SPRC, which is the Hiring and Firing Committee of Truth or Consequences, to meet uh, for lunch. So I drove back from Sacramento, and we met at St. Clair, which is now D.H. Lacombe or something like that. And Stuart was appointed become the new pastor at First United Methodist Church in Truth or Consequences. So, he's going to serve there quarter time, which means that um, he'll be there on Sundays and Mondays starting July 7th, which what that means for us is that we get to support Stuart in this, in this mission. He, he works there three quarter time anyway, so... Um, we don't lose anything except the interactions that he and I have on Sundays, right? But I dream of a church that sends people, that recognizes there's something happening. This church, in truth or consequences, has been struggling. And the leaders of the Methodist church in our region look at us and say, that's a church that dreams dreams, but doesn't just dreams them, but does something like the Spirit of God is moving with those people. How can we get that happening? And so they tap Stuart, and through a lot of conversation with Stuart and Sarah and Eddie, they all said yes. Because when we open ourselves up to the movement of God and say yes, you never know where you're going to end up. It might be truth or consequences. So over the next few months, weeks, years, I'm going to be asking some of you, hey, you should go to TRC next weekend. Go help out up there. I would love for us to like 
take all of this stuff down and somehow put it in a giant truck and take it to TRC and do vacation Bible school in TRC. And then you can go soak in like a hot springs after that if you want. <laughs> because literally next door to the church is Blackstone Hot Springs. And like a quarter of a mile down the road is Riverbend. So you, you could do that. But that's who we are. Not just us, but like us worldwide. We're the church. We're the ones who bring hope. We're the ones who share love. We're the ones who welcome everybody in. That's the church I dream of. I dream of it 